These days, whenever I introduce myself, I make a point of saying that I am a North Carolina native. But growing up, I never really had much appreciation for my state or hometown. In many ways, it was the place I lived. But as I have gotten older and explored the state more, I find myself sitting in a deep appreciation for North Carolina and wanting to see it succeed. I feel this very prominently when I take the back roads instead of the highway to get to a destination. You can just look around and see small businesses, houses, schools, hustling and bustling towns and communities. Our guest today also sits in this appreciation as she works to support North Carolina's rural communities. You know, growing up, I didn't really have much appreciation for my rural small town. Yeah. It was like, oh my gosh, I got to get out of here. <laughs> and, you know, just where I grew up, literally there's like no stop sign, no stop lights, no mm. stores. Is there like a post office, you know, farmland, <laughs> homes and yeah. like trees. I mean, trees and fields of like corn and cotton and all those things. Right. And and now going home, you know, as an adult, and when I became an adult and I would go home, I'm like, man, this is really beautiful. <laughs> and, you know, at night being able to literally look up at the sky and seeing like stars and, right. you know, skyscrapers aren't in the way and like street lights aren't in the way. Just see the beauty of like nature and creation. And so I think for me, it really, you know, was about where are the opportunities to just enjoy all the goodness that life, you know, has to offer. I'm Kenneth Brown Jr., and this is Pivot, a podcast about navigating transitions, negotiating change, and reimagining our world. While the pandemic has deepened challenges, especially in North Carolina's rural areas, it has made us focus on what matters and how where we live should be robust areas of opportunity. Today, our guest is Brandy Bynum Dawson, Senior Director of Policy and Advocacy for the North Carolina Rural Center. Our conversation explores this tension of challenges and opportunities in our state's rural places and how the best may be yet to come. Right. Um, And the first question to start off with, how do you define a pivot? Yes, it's it's funny you ask this question. I think it's obvious based on the sort of the title, you know, of the podcast. Um, And I I sat with this since, um, you know, since you and I had our initial conversation and this morning I asked my husband, I was like, honey, how would you define like a pivot? And he immediately started to do the basketball pivot, like the actual like pivoting in basketball. Yeah. And I was like, oh yeah, that is technically a pivot, right? He's like, yeah, <laughs> it is. And I was like, well, that's not what I was looking for, but thank you, helpful nonetheless. <laughs> um, so yeah, so so with that, I, w- I would definitely say that how I define and look at a pivot is it really is an adaptation. It is an opportunity to um, to move about, to, to sort of remain flexible, and to identify obstacles and barriers kind of in one's way, whether individually or systemically or institutionally. And while at the same time, hopefully still keeping um, one's sights on the, the light at the end of the tunnel, mm-hmm. on the goal that one is you know, seeking to achieve, again, whether an individual institution you know, or a commu- from a community perspective. So it's an adaptation. It's an opportunity to remain flexible and to look at, I think, both sides kind of of what that change might be. Right. I think for the good, the bad, the positive and or the negative. Right, right. And speaking of kind of keeping your eyes on the horizon, can you explain what 
what is the horizon that the North Carolina Rural Center is looking at, kind of what you all do and the work that you specifically do with them? Yeah, so our, our North Star at the Rural Center has not changed in the over 30 year history that we've been in existence. So, you know, since 1987, the Rural Center has really worked to improve the quality of life for our state's rural people and rural places. That's who we are. That's our core belief. Um, we are definitely believers that our rural communities have inherent cultural value and are vital to our overall economic health of our state. So we're an economic development, you know, focused organization, a nonprofit, nonpartisan organization that runs a number of programs across leadership, development and engagement, small business lending, and the work that I do or the seat that I sit in is on the advocacy side. We also have research and data as an arm, right? Really being mm -hmm. able to kind of identify what are those indicators, what are those outcomes that are driving economic development for rural North Carolina. So that's who we are as a rural center. Our mission is to develop, promote, and implement sound economic strategies to nice. improve the overall quality of life of our state's rural North Carolinians. Nice. And can you talk a little bit about what pivoting has looked like for you all um, heading almost a year into this pandemic? And by the time this episode is released, it will be, will be past that year mark. Um, but what kind of things have y'all have pivoted to or done? Yeah, we've definitely pivoted, I think, like most organizations and even from an individual perspective, um, we are all mostly working remotely and have been for, for almost a year. Uh, there are some folks that head into the office, you know, to get files and to just have a different working space. But for the most part, you know, we've all been working remotely. So that is, I would say, one pretty present, obvious difference yeah. or change for us and figuring out that we can still kind of do that and do that successfully. I think we're all working probably more hours um, as a result. And, you know, that has led to, I think, a little bit of um, sort of, you know, disconnection. We brought on a number of new staff who haven't had a chance mm. to meet us all in person, yeah. haven't had that kind of, you know, camaraderie and opportunity to fellowship with one another, kind of the water cooler conversations, mm -hmm. the, the hallway conversations of popping into someone's office. So, yeah, we've definitely, you know, lost a sense of that, but tried our best to really pivot, right? And to shift to more virtual offerings, more virtual opportunities, and trying to be really creative about how we engage, I think, just on an individual and a team level. Right. Um, you know, programmatically, our programs look a little different. A number of our programs are really about going in the community. I mean, the organization is about, you know, going in the community and being with community and engaging with community and listening to community. And so we've had to pivot, you know, those offerings to virtual um, versus the in-person. And so that's definitely been, we're all missing being on the road. <laughs> you know, we have 80 rural counties across the state and, you know, not having that kind of one-on-one -on -one personal connection with folks has definitely been a loss. But right. I think we've been really creative about, how we continue to engage our communities from where they are. I think it has also allowed us to be able to bring more people into the fold in a sense mm. um, by, you know, not physically have to drive somewhere necessarily to attend an event or a session, um, but more so being able to just kind of click up, you know, click a, a, a right. click up your mouse, you know, so to speak, yeah. and, you know, kind of be able to engage in those ways. So yeah, we've done a lot. We've done a lot in the last year and I could sort of talk a lot about our programming aspects but yeah we've done a lot as far as the shifting and pivoting in this last year gotcha yeah that is that that is a lot um and it's but it's nice that you all have managed to bring more people into the fold when you don't have to drive um somewhere and speaking of driving you know you mentioned that north carolina 80 of its 100 counties are considered as rural and i think some people might be like you mean like the north carolina that charlotte is in like the North Carolina that Raleigh is in, what do you mean? Um, and so what 
what is your reaction when like when when people may express surprise or shock that um that North Carolina is a rural state, especially when we talk about growth in the state and how the state is one of the fastest growing states in the country. Certain regions are are some of the fastest growing regions. Um, how does I guess how do you navigate all of that and kind of what does that growth look like for you um, in the context of what you do? Yeah, it's a great question. And um, I guess I would uh, be shocked that people are surprised. And it's probably just because of my own viewpoint, being a native rural North Carolinian, you know, sort of born and bred. Mm -hmm. And I've always known that North Carolina is majority rural, but I, you know, I do understand that a lot of folks are not aware of that because of our more urban and metropolitan areas, the big cities, you know, so to speak, and that sort of being their frame of reference. But, you know, the way we define, you know, rural um, in North Carolina for the rural center, rather, is that there are 80 counties that have an average population density of 250 people per square mile or less. And so for us, that definition results in those being 80 counties. Now, that sort of changes from year to year, kind of depending on um, different flow or population density of, of certain communities a number of which have um, gone the other way or both sides of the direction, if that makes sense. So, um, you know, counties that used to be rural are now more urban or metropolitan, Mm -hmm. so to speak. Um, And so, yeah, so we're happy to sort of educate folks on sort of what it means to be rural. And um, I think we're very proud of the proud state to be, you know, mostly rural. I think it has a lot of, you know, advantages of being a really rural state, obviously a lot of challenges, right? Right. So that's the rural center's mission is to identify those challenges, but also leverage those resources and assets. And, you know, North Carolina does look different than it did 10 years ago and a little different 10 years from now. Um, And so I think those are also, you know, assets and opportunities for us to draw upon. Um, Our people look different. So demographically, North Carolina looks different than it did 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And to that point, 20 years from now, look even more different. And so how do we ensure that we are engaging people across all demographics, across all geographic, you know, sectors um, as such, and being able to leverage those individuals, their knowledge base, their levels of engagement, um, and also being able to really showcase the skill sets and the value that our people bring to this great state of North Carolina. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, Because like sometimes I'm, I remember, I took like this mini getaway last summer in Rocky Mount. Um, and then I went and then I head I, I headed to the coast um, to just go sit on the beach for a couple of hours. Nice. And just driving through, just seeing, you know, like this, like there's not like there's not a lot in terms of, you know, like skyscrapers or buildings, like a lot of farmland, a lot of small towns. And whenever I'm driving around, I just think about, you know, like these like this group of people, they have their challenges too. They have their issues too, as people who live in more bigger cities, urban areas, um, but kind of just the same goal to create a better life um, for themselves and where they are at and for their community. And I was wondering from your viewpoint, in terms of those issues and challenges, what things have been exposed or I guess, exacerbated um, as a result of the pandemic? Yeah, so I would say a number of issues um, have really, I think, risen to the top and drawn greater attention and almost sort of immediacy level of response as well. 
And, you know, for the Rural Center, these are issues that have been at the forefront of our minds for, for decades right. and issues that we have advocated upon, issues that we have, you know, developed programs to, to better support individuals impacted by those issues. And the issues, the issue, I would say the issue list is pretty long, you know, issues like broadband, accessibility mm -hmm. and affordability, healthcare access, whether that means provider recruitment and retention or literally access to healthcare, the system, meaning being able to to afford, you know, health insurance, for example, right. um, housing, having safe, affordable, stable housing is an issue, food insecurity, job security, workforce development, you know, water and wastewater infrastructure and small business development. So allowing folks to be able to have the creative space and resources to launch into entrepreneurship. So there are a number of issues, quite honestly, that I think have really been exacerbated quickly in rural communities, but across the state and across the nation, just in general, as a result of the pandemic. Gotcha. And, and you know, with, with your work, you know, working in policy and advocacy, um, what does that look like? How do you advocate um, to fix those challenges? Um, how do you rally um, the community together? How do you go about that? Yeah, and I would definitely say, you know, I don't want to paint a hugely negative issue, a negative perception of the issues. I mean, there are a lot of challenges for right. sure. There's also been a lot of headway made, and I'm very thankful to have, I would say, an organization that continues to sort of beat that drum and board and staff who are willing to, you know, fight tooth and nail to make sure we're speaking truth to power about how best to meet those needs and address those really big issues. I think also equally so, we have a number of, you know, statewide partner organizations, local organizations, elected officials who are all fighting for the same type of changes. And so I think that sense of togetherness, the opportunity to coordinate resources and energy and and opportunity to really, you know, try to address some of these big issues is where I feel most heartened that because I think of the, the newfound shown light on these issues, to me, that's a huge opportunity. That yeah. to me is where we were able to kind of launch, right? That's like, oh, you get it now too. Mm -hmm. Well, let's work on that together. Um, and identify not just, I would say, sort of short-term immediate, which are necessary solutions, right, but also right. how do we ensure that we are addressing the root causes and systemic issues at play underlying why people don't have access to healthy food, right? Mm -hmm. While people don't have safe and affordable housing, right? And so when we want to get people in a home now, how do we ensure that 10 years from now, people don't aren't still with that same need? Mm -hmm. um, so to me, it's really about a both and. It's the short-term solutions and the long-term solutions equally are important. Whether it's personally or professionally, what have you been learning? Um, and what do you hope sticks around when this pandemic ends? Yeah, that's, that's a really great question. I've learned a lot about myself for sure. Um, you know, when it comes to, you know, perseverance and endurance and multitasking, uh, a lot of people will say about me, I'm a really great multitasker. <laughs> I, you have know, a toddler. And so I feel like I've also become a preschool teacher, yeah. which I really have. Like if you see my house, there's like numbers and letters and <laughs> words, sight words everywhere, because you want to make sure that he is getting sort of what he needs despite the pandemic and that we're able to support him kind of in his growth and development. And I would also say that it has also personally allowed me to realize to rely on other people more so. Mm. I'm a really independent kind of person, thinker and doer, and realizing that you can't do everything. You can't say <laughs> yes to all things all the yeah. time, right? Um, so I think delegation, asking for support, asking for the things one needs to make sure that you are not overwhelming yourself. And I think self-care is really, really important. Self-care is really important. 
um, I think for folks that are really dedicated, like like me and I think millions of people are to the work that they do mm-hmm. and, and see the need for it, you tend to just work all the time. Right. Yeah. And, you know, to be a, a better steward of your own time and your own health, you know, taking care of oneself is really, really important. And so I think personally, I've, you know, done more around, you know, exercise as much as I, you know, ones can, I would say, um, you know, also drinking more water and give myself a stretch break and those kinds of things. So I think the personal self-care is really, really important. And I think a point that um, folks, more folks need to be aware of and more mindful of and taking care of oneself before you can take care of other people. Right. Right. It's like that airplane analogy. You got to put your oxygen mask on first before you can help someone else. That's right. And I think that's what I would want to stick around is that, you know, despite all the the horror that has come with this pandemic, you know, particularly people losing their lives and losing homes and losing jobs and losing loved ones, that it's also, you know, I think giving folks, I'll speak for myself, more time to kind of sit and think about what really matters, Mm. you know, what's really, really important. And, you know, taking time for self, um, taking time for family and reevaluating the important what really matters in life. I think this has allowed me and myself and others that I'm really close with to have that self um, sense of, you know, retrospection, if that makes sense. And yeah. to really look at, you know, from outside in or inside out, you know, so to speak, kind of what's really important and to value the things that are really going to move the needle either personally or professionally or, you know, policy wise, I'll say. Right. So, right. Yeah, really important. Yeah. Speaking of, being retrospective um i know some people when they go through a major pivot major challenge there are there's something from their past uh, that they might latch on or they might rely on that has kind of that guides them through a major shift um do you have any experiences or moments like that that you find yourself either remembering more of often or thinking about more yeah i would definitely say, you know, just being a a native rural North Carolinian, um, you know, growing up, I didn't really have much appreciation for my rural small town. It was like, oh my gosh, I got to get out of (laughs) here. And, you know, just where I grew up, literally there's like no stop, no stop lights, no Mm. stores. Is there like a post office, you know, farmland, homes and like trees i mean trees and fields of like corn and cotton and all those things and and now going home you know as an adult and when i became an adult and i would go home like man this is really beautiful (laughs) and you know at night being able to literally look up at the sky and seeing like stars and you know skyscrapers aren't in the way and like street lights aren't in the way just see the beauty of like nature and creation Mm. and so i think for me it really you know, was about where are the opportunities to just enjoy all the goodness that life, you know, has to offer. And, um, you know, being able to really rely on my roots and, you know, sort of where I grew up. And I think that's really what's been able to ground me, you know, throughout my life and throughout my career is the support system, the network, the beauty that I had to live around and just didn't realize it, you know, as a youngster, you know, so to speak. And, uh, now working at the rural center, but rural's always been in my DNA. I've worked mm-hmm. in rural communities, you know, for a lot of my career. And so I guess it's just like a full circle kind of coming mm-hmm. back around yeah, home, if that yeah. makes sense. And just kind of recognizing that, um, that growth, I'll say within me, but also, you know, personally and professionally. A memory is coming back in my head of my aunt. So my family has this Thanksgiving tradition yeah. to go to our aunt's house and she lives 
in Eflin. Um, and I just remember when I was younger driving out there, it's like, this is like in the middle of nowhere. There's no one around. <laughs> there's no street lights. I feel like I might get jumped out here. Um, what's going on? But as I have gotten older, uh, because you know my folks, they just linger around places. And so we wouldn't leave till like nine or 10 at night, but just going outside and just looking up and truly seeing like, wow, these are stars. Um, it really is something, it really is something. And, and, and I can sense your passion and your excitement um, for, for working with rural communities. And I was wondering why, what makes you, why rural communities, what makes you excited to work with them? What's your why? That's a really great question. And, you know, I really would say it just has to be, it's just like in my DNA, you know, mm -hmm. I think where I landed at the rural center was meant to be, I, you know, I say that all the time because I truly, truly mean that is that as a, as a native rural North Carolina, I've always known that while there are a number of issues that have been and continue to plague rural communities, there are so many beautiful assets, particularly in the people. Yeah. And, you know, once you go to rural, go to one rural community, they're not all the same, right? Mm -hmm. You meet different people all across all 80 counties of rural North Carolina. And there are a lot of beautiful people doing right. amazing things who are super committed to seeing their community's outcomes improve and to change. They are hardworking folks, dedicated people. I think that's what drives me. Like, that's me. That's who I yeah. am, you know? And so to be around more people just like that is like such a beautiful experience. And I feel so fortunate for that. So that's what really, really drives me. I love a good challenge. Um, and I love to see policy and the systems change that are really going to make a difference in the lives of people, not just today, but generations from now. from now when you wake up 10 years from now um, and look outside your window what do you hope to see for North Carolina's rural communities well on that note I'll be 10 years older so that should be interesting right <laughs> so, that's something exciting to look for right um, and I'll have what a 14 year old so woo, life will be definitely different for me that I'll have a teenager at that point um yeah. Yeah, so when it comes to rural communities, you know, what I want to see is more opportunity for folks. I want to see that there are jobs available. I want to see that the folks are able to have opportunities for the coaching and skill development to take those jobs that are 10 years from now. And it's not about taking a job that already exists. It's also about creating your own opportunity. Right. I want to see more entrepreneurs. I want to see more entrepreneurs of color. I want to see more communities that are thriving more healthy food stores within mm -hmm. communities, particularly marginalized communities. You know, I, I want to see that our healthcare system is no longer struggling. I want to see that people have access to affordable, high quality health insurance, no matter their income. Right. right? I want to see that every student has access to high speed, every household for that matter, has access to affordable high speed broadband. Right. I want to, you know, I want to see that our state's water and wastewater infrastructure system mm -hmm. is stable, that people have access to, you know, safe drinking water and systems and local governments that are able to be stable and secure for the right. long haul. Like I want to see so much for rural communities because our people in rural communities deserve that much. Right. 
Right. Mm. Let's just sit with that for a second. They deserve that much. Mm. What gives you hope? I think what gives me hope is that guess I'm not shy, number one, and you can definitely hear the passion in my voice, is that there are more people out here that have that same passion and have that same drive and have that same commitment, Mm -hmm. that there are generations of young people and kids, you know, born or not yet, you know, seeing the light of day just yet, that are looking to us to ensure that they have a place to call home that they're able to lead successful, productive lives and to grow up to be successful, productive adults. I want to leave this world a better place for mm. the people that come behind me. Um, speaking of which, my own child, you know, is, yeah. is looking to me and he loves the rural center. He knows what mommy does. And um, I think for him, it really is about, he wants to see change and he understands, you know, he says he wants to be like a firefighter and a swimmer and has all these dreams and aspirations. And for him and kids like him, I want to see those dreams come true. Right. Right. Hmm. And I guess something, a final question to end on. Um, what people listen to this, have we all have gone through a collective transformation. Um, and I know that some people just may be looking for a piece of advice um, or a word or something Um to help guide them. And so I was wondering for someone listening to this, looking for that, what message or words would you share with someone going through a major pivot? You know, I would say is to lean into the pivot, lean into the change as as hard as it, it might be in the moment that there is always light at the end of the tunnel. And once one is on the other side of that pivot, oh, the opportunity that one will be able to see, right? And so I think stick with it, see the opportunity in it and ask for supports where they're needed. Don't feel like you have to go through anything, you know, alone. That whether, I think there's a lot of just general uncertainty in life. I think the one thing that we know is true that together, you know, we can do almost anything. Wow, I feel fired up and ready to go now. (laughs) I feel ready to run through a brick wall. (laughs) I think I just gave myself a pep talk too. (laughs) How can people learn more about the Rural Center? How can people get involved? Where can the people go? Please, you know, go to the Rural Center's website, uh, www.ncruralcenter.org. You can find out all about the Rural Center, sort of its history, the programs, you know, sign up for our listserv, sign up for our newsletters, you know, stay involved, stay engaged. And, you know, the hat that I wear at the Rural Center is in the policy and advocacy space. And if you want to make sure your voice is heard, then you need to get involved in the advocacy community. We have plenty of opportunities for folks to stay engaged, to get engaged, and also to connect with your elected leaders. And we provide supports and trainings for folks to be able to feel comfortable doing that. But if you want to see the needle move on issues, really major issues plaguing rural North Carolina, the Rural Center is where it's at. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Brandy Bynum-Dawson is the Senior Director of Policy and Advocacy 
for the North Carolina Rural Center, working to improve the quality of life for the state's rural people and places. You've been listening to Pivot, a podcast about navigating transitions, negotiating change, and reimagining our world. Pivot is a project of the A.J. Fletcher Foundation, produced and hosted by me, Kenneth Brown Jr. Our music is composed by Blue Dot Sessions, sound effects from freesound.org. You can hear this episode and more anytime, wherever you listen to podcasts, or go to our show page at www.pivotajf.simplecast.com. See you next time.